Hi, welcome to the Politically Slanted Podcast. I'm Adam. And I'm Kelly. And you've come to the right place for all things politics, pop culture, and what's making news this week. Wednesday night was the first Democratic primary debate, and NBC hosted the two-night event with Rachel Maddow, Chuck Todd, Savannah Guthrie, and Lester Holt moderating. Ten of the Democrats running for the Democratic nomination for president participated, including Bill de Blasio, Tim Ryan, Julian Castro, Cory Booker, Elizabeth Warren, Beto O'Rourke, Amy Klobuchar, Tulsi Gabbard, Jay Inslee, and John Delaney. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd forgotten some of those people were even running until I saw them on the debate stage last night. And it's likely that after their performances, the rest of America will forget about them as well. There were some really weird moments last night, um, including Beto O'Rourke breaking into Spanish during one of his answers which prompted some very strange looks from Cory Booker. Here's a clip of Beto so you can see what I'm talking about. De esta economía. Pero si queremos hacer eso, necesitamos incluir cada persona en nuestra democracia. Uh, cada votar, ca cada votante necesitamos la representación y cada voz necesitamos escuchar. Right now we have a system that favors those who can pay for access and outcomes. That's how you explain an economy that is rigged to corporations and to the very wealthiest. A $2 trillion tax cut that favored corporations while they were sitting on record piles of cash. All right, so as you can see, Beto Spanish is lacking. And not to be outdone, Cory Booker and Julian Castro decided they would also get in on the Spanish game and we even had the moderators asking questions in Spanish. It was quite crazy. Later that night, Cory Booker went on Anderson Cooper to talk about that side eye and why he decided to start speaking in Spanish as well. And here's what he told Anderson Cooper. I just want to ask, and on a slightly lighter note, and I'm asking this as someone who's occasionally been caught rolling his eyes on camera, uh, there's a photo of you looking at Beto O'Rourke as he's starting to speak in Spanish. You're giving him kind of amazing side eye, and I, I wonder if you've seen the photo, what was going through your mind in that moment, if you can remember. I can't really remember. Uh, I just knew he had laid a gauntlet down, and that, and, and I was talking a little bit with Castro. Both he and I knew, as people who can speak Spanish, that now we were going to bring it as well. Uh, but I can't remember exactly what I was thinking in that moment. I just was. I right. uh, uh, saw him pull it out, and I, I realized that there's a lot of bilingual people, some even <laughs> trilingual, in this race, and uh, I'm happy to have those skills. Yeah. Okay, I just want to ask. All right. So that was uh, quite an interesting moment from the debate last night. And some of the candidates who are actually on the Thursday night debate were tweeting about how they don't know Spanish and they need to work on their Spanish-speaking skills. One interesting thing that did come out of the debate last night is Tulsi Gabbard. Now, I had never heard of her before she announced she was running for president. And she's a congresswoman from Hawaii, and she's a bit more moderate than the rest. She actually served in, um, I believe it was Afghanistan, 
and she looked completely different than the rest of the candidates on the stage. She was wearing a bright red suit. The rest of them had really dull blue suits on. She had this really cool streak of gray in her hair that made her look like Rogue from the X-Men. And while she was pretty quiet and she only had maybe four to five minutes of actual talking time the whole night, the interesting thing is Drudge ran a poll right after the debate and she has walked away as the clear standout winner. She has 45% of the vote right now and no one else is even close to her. Elizabeth Warren is coming in second, but she only has 10%. And that is really, really interesting because last night the moderators tried to make it all about Warren. And while she came out strong at the beginning, she pretty much faded into obscurity the rest of the night. So honestly, I think that we need to keep an eye on Tulsi. I don't know how much longevity she'll have, but right now she's really hot and she gave some pretty good answers on some questions. And here's a bit of a clip just so you can get a feel for where she stands. We are no better off in Afghanistan today than we were when this war began. This is why it's so important to have a president and commander in chief who knows the cost of war and who's ready to do the job on day one. I am ready to do that job when I walk into the Oval Office. Thank you very much. Listen, I'm going to go down the line. We have got to have some present there. As, the as, the as Taliban was there long before we came in. They yeah, and they were long yeah, before we exactly. Leave. Well, we cannot were, keep U.S. troops deployed to Afghanistan thinking that we're going to somehow squash this Taliban that has say, been there and every other country that's them. trying to I didn't say them. squash them. When we weren't in there, they started flying planes into our buildings. So I'm I'm just saying right now, the we Taliban have an didn't attack us on 9-11. Al-Qaeda did. Well, Al-Qaeda attacked us on 9-11. That's why I and so I many other people joined the military to go I after Al-Qaeda, not the Taliban. The Taliban Sorry, guys, was seconds. protecting those people who were plotting against us. All I'm saying is, if we want to go in to elections and we want to say that we got to withdraw from the world, that's what... President Trump is saying, we okay. can't. I would love you know, for us to. protecting Al-Qaeda right now in Saudi down. Arabia. Now, first of all, let's recognize the, the situation we're in, that the American people deserve a president who will put your interests ahead of the rich and powerful. That's not what we have right now. Uh, I enlisted in the Army National Guard after the Al-Qaeda terror attacks on 9-11, so I could go after those who had attacked us on that day. I still serve as a major. Uh, served over 16 years, deployed twice to the Middle East, and in Congress serve on the Foreign Affairs and Armed Services Committees for over six years. I know the importance of our national security, as well as the terribly high cost of war. And for too long, our leaders have failed us, taking us from one regime change war to the next, leading us into a new Cold War and arms race, costing us trillions of our hard-earned taxpayer dollars and countless lives. This all right, so that's just a, a short clip of some of her better moments on the debate stage last night. And it's also interesting to note that after the debate was over, um, she was the most searched name on Google. There were three candidates people were searching for last night. Tulsi Gabbard got probably three-fourths of the United States. There's a Google Trends poll and if you go to our website politicallyslanted.com I have the graphic up there. 
but she captured about three-fourths of the United States in their search trends. Cory Booker came in second, and then Elizabeth Warren only had one state searching for her, and coincidentally enough, it was Oklahoma. So the final thought for the night, um, the moderator asked the candidates what they thought the biggest geopolitical threat to the United States was. And as you can imagine, several of them said climate change. That seemed to be a big trend, as it is with the Democratic Party right now. But the one that got the most applause from the audience was when Washington Governor Jay Inslee said that Donald Trump was the biggest threat to America. So I'm going to play the clip right now, and you can listen to all their answers. I want to go down the line here, finish up foreign policy. It's a simple question. What is our, what is the biggest threat to, what is, who is the geopolitical threat to the United States? Just give me a one word answer, Congressman Delaney. <clears throat> Can you repeat the question? Greatest geopolitical threat to the United States right now, Congressman Delaney. Well, the biggest uh, geopolitical challenge is China, but the okay. biggest geopolitical threat yes. remains nuclear weapons. Okay. Right? So those are, di- you know, those I got are different you. questions. Totally get it. Go ahead, Governor Inslee. The biggest threat to the security of the United States is Donald Trump. And there's no question. Okay. Congresswoman Gabbard. of nuclear war today than ever before in history. Congress, Congress, uh, Senator Two threats, economic threat, China, but our, our major threat right now is what's going on in the Mideast with Iran if we don't get okay. our Try to keep it a slimmer, slimmer than what we've been going here. One or two our, words. Our existential threat is climate change. We have to confront it before it's too late. Senator Warner. Climate change. Yeah, Senator Booker. Nuclear proliferation and climate change. Secretary uh, Castro. Say, uh, China and climate change. Uh, Congressman Ryan. China, without a question, they're wiping us around the world economically. Yeah. Uh, and Mr. Mayor? Russia, because they're trying to undermine our democracy, and they've been doing a pretty damn good job of it. We need to stop them. All right. Well. All right. So pretty typical answers from that bunch. So the clear winners of the night were Tulsi Gabbard. Amy Klobuchar had a pretty strong showing. Um, I think she'll stick around for a while. And... Cory Booker, he had the most talk time, but there wasn't anything especially thrilling about him. However, I think that he will hang around for a little bit longer. Clear losers. Bill de Blasio, so unlikable. All he did was shout at people. He interrupted, tried to make himself relevant. I think he'll stick around, but he could definitely drop out. Beto O'Rourke was totally embarrassing. The guy is so stupid, and he just looked really green on a national stage. And it's pretty hard to believe that he gave Ted Cruz such a run for his money down in Texas. I think he'll stick around because his ego is too big, but he definitely did not impress last night and stumbled through many of his answers and just looked pretty much like the B team. And... Jay Inslee, John Delaney, uh, they don't really offer anything any different than the rest of these candidates. So I think that probably out of this group, Julian Castro, Cory Booker, Elizabeth Warren, Amy Klobuchar, and Tulsi Gabbard should stick around. The rest should all call it a day and go home.
All right, so I'm going to kick it to Adam now, and he is going to do a recap of what you might have missed on the Thursday night debate. Hello. Um, yeah, thank you. And um, Thursday night, the uh, second, I guess, 10 of the Democrats um, held their debate, um, and those included, uh, those 10 that debated Thursday night were... Uh, um, Author Marion Williamson, um, Andrew Yang, Mayor Pete, um, Hickenlooper from Colorado, um, former President, former Vice President Joe Biden, um, Senator Bernie Sanders, Senator Kamala Harris, um, California Representative Eric Swalwell, um, Cal uh, Colorado uh, Senator uh, Bennett, um, Senator New York Senator Kristen Gillibrand, and um, yeah, I believe that's uh, that's everybody. But, um, like I said, they were the debate, they uh, debated Thursday night. Um, things really got kicked off with, um, of course, immigration being the hot topic. Um, everybody just went back and forth saying, hey, you know, the way everybody's been treating but down there is inhumane, when you were better as a country, blah, blah, that kind of thing. Um, there really wasn't much different difference between candidates. They all They all kind of agreed that, yeah, you can't be treating people like this. We need to... Just kind of allow them in. The, the Trump administration is this big, bad, evil machine that we need to stop. Um, and just everything they're doing down there is wrong. So there really wasn't much daylight between any kind of uh, politicians down or any candidate on that, that situation. What was, was interesting, they spent maybe the first 20, 25 minutes on um, immigration that uh, Marion Williamson didn't even get to say a word until the first... Uh, after the first half hour, um, and she just kind of down there on the left side of the stage, she just never said a word, didn't even try to get into the conversation. But um, after the, about the first half hour, they moved into uh, um, health insurance, um, and the big two, the I guess not really the real surprising, was that Sanders, Senator Bernie Sanders, and Kamala Harris essentially want to get rid of every kind of private insurance, whether you like your private insurance or not, they want to get rid of it. Medicare for all, they don't care. Here, this is what we're going to do. Um, so, and again, Bernie, what was really interesting that the Democrats really pushed Bernie to say, hey, how are you going to pay for this? How are you going to do it? And Bernie just seemed to get angry and angry, never answering the question as to how he's going to pay this, never once giving specifics on anything this guy says. And that, that that's kind of his deal. He just never, ever gives specifics on anything. And he's never pushed to. And it, it he just never, ever says how I'm going to pay for this, how this is going to work. He just says Medicare for all. This is a right. I mean, at some point, do you not have to give specifics on how you're going to actually implement this thing and when he was pressed a little bit for this he pointed to Canada and you know and rightly a senator from Colorado Bennett said you know that that's fine and great and all but Canada's got a tenth of the population that we do you know that they, they have 35 million people we have 330 million how are you going to do this and he, he again he was never once pressed for that um, and, and Bernie, again, just never, never answered the questions on specifics. Um, and I mean, Bernie was 
just came off angry um, that, you know, hey, I, I'm for this revolution and you guys are picking on me. And he, he just came off as extremely, extremely angry. Um, here's a here's a clip. To take on Wall Street, to take on the fossil fuel industry, to take on the big money interests who have unbelievable influence over the economic and political life of this country. These issues that have a better Again, that, that was Bernie in a, a nutshell. And it, it is, he, he just talks and talks and talks, never once giving specifics on anything. He just says, you know, I'm the man for the job. I'm going to do this. I'm going to change everything. Nothing, he, he never does any, he never gives specifics on anything. Um, I, again, uh, I, uh, as, as far as who I, who I thought did the, the best last night, um, that, I mean, without a doubt, uh, I believe who helped themselves the best was uh, Kamala Harris and um, Pete, uh, Mayor Pete from uh, Indiana, South Bend. Uh, why? Uh, Kamala Harris was the one who, who gave the most impassioned speeches, um, the most heartfelt to her um, arguments, whether they're true or not. She, she definitely brought the most emotion. Um, she, she went after, at one point, she went after Biden hard on that he, uh, his supposed comment about uh, racism um, and segregationists. And, I mean, she went after him hard. Um, and he, here's a little bit of that for you. And I'm going to now direct this at Vice President Biden. Um, I do not believe you are a racist. And I agree with you when you commit yourself to the importance of finding common ground. But I also believe, and it's personal, and I was actually very, it was hurtful. To hear you talk about the reputations of two United States senators who built their reputations and career on the segregation of race in this country. And it was not only that, but you also worked with them to oppose busing. And, you know, there was a little... Now, whether, you know, her, her arguments stand the test of time or not, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't... Whether they do or not, I don't know. Um, but from a, a purely optic standpoint, I believe that Harris um, probably probably won the debate. Um, she she gave uh, I mean yeah she she's one of the more far left um, candidates running. Um, her and Bernie both want to get rid of private insurance altogether, um, and she's essentially like I said is from this California from California wants to get rid of your private insurance, but I think from her uh, purely a emotional standpoint, I believe that she she probably won the debate. Um, now, I, Mayor Pete from uh, South Bend, um, I, I think he also was probably, Harris was probably 1A, he was, you know, she was probably 1, She he was probably 1A. Um, and why I say that, he was the only one really given any kind of specifics on how you do really anything. Um, being a mayor, he, he's the one that has to implement all this, uh, these rules, these plans, whatever. He, he's the one that really has to actually get something done. Now, I, I will say that, uh, you know, I believe, like I said, I believe the uh, um, Harris and Pete won the debate. Um, the next two, I, I think, were 
easily uh, uh, the, the two guys from Colorado, Hickenlooper and Bennett. They come off as moderate, um, intelligent. Hey, you can't implement all this socialism, socialism, and expect to to win or actually accomplish anything. Um, so I believe they were level-headed, and they, they probably came in again two and two A, two B, whatever you want to grade them. I think they they came in um, second, third, or fourth, whatever. Um, and the ones that were just the true big losers in the, the entire thing, um, no big surprise here. Um, Marion Williamson, nobody knew who she was before she's the debate. Nobody really knows who she is after the debate. She we just went off these long rambly. Um, uh, just long rambly sentences that really didn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, another big loser, um, Eric Swalwell. Again, not a big uh, surprise there. Here's Guy really, I mean, he really has no other issue other than gun control. He wants to take your guns away from you, and he's not shy about it. Um, and one thing, he, he kept going after Bernie and Biden last night, just saying, pass the torch, pass the torch, pass the torch. He just kept saying that over and over, and that was really only his line of defense. Um, I mean, the guy just needs to go back to California and just kind of stay there. Um, but uh, here's a little bit of what this, this guy had to say. I was six years old when a presidential candidate came to the California Democratic Convention and said, it's time to pass the torch to a new generation of Americans. That candidate was then-Senator Joe Biden. Joe Biden was right when he said it was time to pass the torch to a new generation of Americans 32 years ago. He's still right today. If we're going to solve the issues of automation, pass the torch. If we're going to solve the issues of climate chaos, pass the torch. If we're going to solve the issue of student loan debt, pass the torch. If we're going to end gun violence for families who are fearful of sending their kids to school, pass the torch. Vice President, would you... Again, like I said, that, that was his only line of defense of anything he was asked. Pass the torch. Pass the torch. Because um, Swalwell knows he's, he's not a serious candidate. He's not going to get anywhere close to the White House. The guy's polling in 1%, 2%, maybe. Um, and like I said, Marion Williamson and Eric Swalwell were, were the, the big losers. Another huge loser, again, was Bernie. Again, because Bernie doesn't ever give specifics on anything. And when challenged, the guy just gets mad. He, he gets mad never provides any kind of answer, nothing. He just says, well, we're, we're going to revolute. We're going to change everything. This, is, this needs to be changed. America needs to be changed. And just never gives any specifics as to how that happens. And as a voter, don't you kind of want to know that from the person that you may potentially be voting for? Um, and this is why people are running to, I mean, if you're that far left, liberal, leftist, whatever, um, this is why if you're uh, if you're in that, this is why you're giving uh, Elizabeth Warren a look because Bernie just says this stuff and expects people to just come running. And while you may not agree with her, um, Warren's actually providing answers. She's giving specifics. She's putting out plans. Bernie, yeah, we're gonna get, eliminate school school loans. Everybody just go to college free. I mean, and then she and he, then he never ever provides specifics. Um, again, I, I don't know. I mean, whether it was uh, uh, an insightful night or not, I don't know. Um, but it, it was sure uh, an interesting night. Um, and again, like I said, I believe Kamala Harris won the debate. 
And this was actually probably the line that uh, got the biggest applause. It, it was real early in the debate. Um, they, were, they were, all the candidates were kind of bickering back and forth. Nobody was really getting any kind of anything substantive answers. They were just kind of talking over once in, one another. And Kamala Harris kind of came in and acted as the, uh, the kind of the grown-up and got, like I said, the biggest uh, applause of the night for this line. Check it out. Hey guys, you know what? America does not want to witness a food fight. They want to know how we're going to put food on their table. that is at play in America today and we've all been traveling around the country I certainly have and that was probably the the biggest um, or the line that got the biggest amount of applause and you know like I said I, I believe Harris won it with um, uh, Mayor Pete as you know a close second um, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens next month when the, the Democrats do this again um, there were when they they raise the uh, the minimum the requirements to get into debate, both by a polling and um, number of donors, so this should shut out some of the the lesser known candidates like the, the like your Williamson, your Swalwells, um, you know your uh, just some of those guys that have absolutely no chance, like the mayor of New York City that have absolutely no chance. But it, it, Thursday night was an interesting night. Um, I don't know that it really showed us a whole lot. But uh, I, I believe that Wednesday night was probably a better night if you were going to watch one of the two debates. Um, I, I don't think that we really got a um, Thursday night really probably changed a whole lot of opinions. And uh, I, I think Wednesday night probably did that. So, thank you. Hello and welcome back. Um, let's talk about something here real quick. Just a, a few minutes. Um, there's some big Netflix news that happened this week. Um, one of their most popular shows, one of the most, honestly, one of the, one of the most beloved um, sitcoms of all time, actually. Um, it was announced that Netflix, or I guess uh, The Office, will be leaving Netflix here in uh, um, about a year and a half or so. Maybe maybe not quite that long. Um, the Office, uh, Jim, Dwight, Andy, Creed, and even Love Dumb, Love, uh, Lovable Dumb Michael, um, will be leaving The Office come 20... January 2021. Um, it's it's believed that The Office is one of Netflix, or I guess Netflix's highest watched show, which is going to severely, severely hurt Netflix um, as they try to compete with all these other studios. That after they get their um, streaming services up and running, you got Disney, you got Universal, which The Office is going to, um, ESPN. Um, well, they'll be a part of Disney, but this is going to really, really hurt Netflix's business. Um, I, I believe that they're going to have to actually start doing something different. Um, they were the leaders. This is going to really hurt. Um, I, I know I, for one, am one of those that just binges The Office constantly. Um, you know, the first seven seasons, the second two, we, we really could have done without. Um, once Michael left, the show essentially died. There was no reason for it, but... You know, it, it's still the, the office of the show is, as a whole, is still one of those things that you, you just love. Um, it's so quotable, it's so funny, um, the characters are so real, um, and frankly, 
Kevin's just so stupid that the guy's willing to get himself into anything and everything, um, doesn't know it. He's essentially a slightly dumber Michael, but uh, I think we can all agree that this is really going to hurt Netflix. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do, how they try to um, recover from this, and, um, you know, we'll, we'll have to watch. So um, I hear there's some news about uh, Taylor Swift, so let's check that out. In case you missed it, Taylor Swift released a new song last week that's intended to be a Pride anthem. Since June is Pride Month, I guess she thought it would be the perfect time to get political. Anyway, the song is called You Need to Calm Down, but conservative Christians are definitely not calm about it. And one preacher went so far to say that God will come after her for sinning. But that guy also preaches death to gays, so I'm not really sure if his opinion counts or not. But another group that is definitely not calm about the song are the hardcore social justice warriors who say the pop princess is capitalizing on the gay rights movement. Now these are the people that you would think would be super happy that Taylor is finally embracing her political side and coming out in favor of equality. But one writer at the Always Liberal Slate called the song annoying, pathetic, and hopelessly, insultingly out of place. So here are a few of the lyrics that that writer was referring to. writer at Slate accuses her of queer baiting fans, and I quote, it's not a particularly radical stance for a celebrity to be anti-homophobe in 2019, yet Swift is promoting you need to calm down like it's going to be the straw that breaks homophobia's back. She then goes on to compare it to Lady Gaga's Born This Way, but that one came from an artist who was out as a bisexual woman at a time when the gay rights movement had far less mainstream traction than it does now. The same Slate writer says that you need to calm down looks even more pathetic. So it's no secret that I'm a Swifty. I love Taylor Swift. I've seen her in concert. I think she's a smart person. And I also think that You Need to Calm Down is going to be a summer jam. And I don't really care if it's a pride anthem or not. But I think it's kind of harsh to criticize her for being late to the party. Because eight years ago she was still doing country music and she was barely 20 at that time. So I'm sure her friend base is more diverse as is her audience now. And also this type of song wouldn't have been played well with the country radio crowd. So now that she's older and in more control of her career, she can take greater risks. So what do you think? Should Taylor just shut up and sing? We don't care about her politics. Is she being unfairly criticized because she's a white woman? 
which is highly probable with the liberal crowd, or do you just simply not care? You think her music's crap? Let us know on Twitter or Facebook. You can find us at Slanted Politics on Twitter and at Politically Slanted on Facebook. Yeah.